When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Wednesday. Welcome into the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. I'm Jay Zawoski with Mario Tirabasi. Greg Boyson off today should be back in his rightful place between the two of us tomorrow afternoon. Thanks for being with us. We've got a really busy show today. Some Hawks news to share. We've got a great guest and Tokarski's coming on to update us on the latest on this newly developed women's hockey league yep. and what it means for the players that were sort of maybe being left behind when the uh, PHF folded, we're going to do that at 2.30. To start the show, though, we want to tell you about Mar- Marion Hosa's goodbye game yes. and this freaking star-studded lineup that <laughs> might be able to beat the Vegas Golden Knights if we put them all on the ice together. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got another list of uh, top prospects that uh, the Blackhawks are highlighted in. And uh, let's start with uh, the, the real quick news. Our guy, Marcel Marcel. Marcel Marcel. Signs a one-year deal yeah. to play next season in Rockford. Yeah. It's really exciting. I mean, like, I know that we were all very, uh, we enjoyed his his presser and we were impressed by the stature of Marcel Marcel, but uh, fifth round pick, mm-hmm. already being signed to play in the AHL, this felt to me like we wouldn't actually see Marcel Marcel play yeah. um, for a few years, but now he's already in Rockford, which means the organization has to have some pretty decent thoughts about his NHL future. Yeah, and I, I think it's... It's one of those interesting situations in which players from North America, you know, Canadian Junior Leagues, that agreement between them and, and the NHL where you have to have the age restriction to play in the AHL, it, it feels so silly because here's uh, Marcel Marcel coming. Uh, you know, he, he was playing with Gatineau uh, in, the, in the queue last year, but he has played professionally in Slovakia before, which I believe is the actual, like, consideration when it comes to like his eligibility that he could play in the AHL because he's already played professionally in Europe. Um, But also he'll be 20 on October 31st this year. So he also meets the age requirement, but he's one of those players where it's just like, yeah, he could have gone back to Gatineau and, and played it, you know, played an elevated role in the queue and, and been able to uh, develop there. But the Blackhawks figure, let's get him in our system. He's going to be 20, you know, not even a, a full month into the season. There's physically, there's really no reason for him to stay down in junior. He's a big kid. He's, you know, f- getting to that point where he's physically matured in, into his body. Let's get him into the professional environment, get him into, you know, get him working with the Blackhawks coaches, the the, the Icehawks coaches, the, the development staff uh, that they put together in Rockford uh, and, and get him fast-tracked. I, I think it's a, it's a smart idea. Um, it's an AHL deal, so he'll he'll be able to play in Rockford or uh, with the Indy Fuel. Um, so don't don't have any you know worries, concerns, or expectations that he'll play with the Blackhawks because um, he would have to sign an NHL contract mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a great move. It's a smart smart move to get him into that environment and look like on the ice. I I don't really 
you know, have too many concerns about him being able to tra- transition because of the physical uh, stature that he has being as big as he is. So I think he'll be able to handle the a- rough and tumble AHL. Um, but just having the opportunity to have direct access to him through yeah. Rockford, I think that's going to be a, a lot of fun because he's, he's, he's definitely somebody that uh, grabbed everyone's attention and everyone's love and affection in the fan base very quickly. <laughs> very quickly. Uh, a couple of people in the chat talking about Philip Kurashev, by the way. His arbitration hearing is tomorrow. And when Kyle Davidson spoke at development camp last week, two weeks ago, whenever that was. Two weeks ago. Um, he said it's good business for Kurashev to take it to arbitration. There seems to be no concern that a deal is going to get done one way or another. They could reach an agreement today before the hearing, mm-hmm. or they can just settle on what the arbitrator decides. Um, but I don't think in any way, shape, or form the Hawks will be trading Philip Kurashev. That doesn't seem to be no. – I, I see some people kind of freaked out about it a little bit. Don't be worried. Philip Kurashev is going to be back. It's not going to be an astronomical contract by any means. The Hawks have nothing but cap space right now, so mm-hmm. there's really nothing to worry about in terms of Philip Kurashev. We'll be keeping our eye on the wires as the show goes on to make sure nothing happens while we're on. Um, but one way or another, Philip Kurashev is going to be back, so you could probably cross that off your concern list. Somebody tweeted at us, like, I'm just constantly refreshing my feed for Kurashev news. Like, you don't have to it'll do be, that. Yeah, it'll be okay. It's going to be fine. Okay. Yeah, don't don't worry about that. The deal is going to get done one way or another. I and mean, it's not like the arbitrator is going to award him $5 million or something right, where the Hawks right. would balk at it. Yeah, the... You know, you, I don't think you're going to run into a situation like the Maple Leafs are with Ilya Samsonov, where he's coming in at 4.9 million, and they're saying no, 2.4 million, and you're like, oh shoot, like that's <laughs> not even close. Yeah, you're. I don't think close. that's going to be uh, going to be the case. I think, you know, yes, Kurashev will will ask for as much as reasonably he believes he's worth, and the Blackhawks will uh, set their number, and then they'll meet in the middle if uh, if a deal isn't. Uh, isn't reached uh, in the next 24 hours or so. But, yeah, I, Davidson had no concerns about it. I, I think Kurashev is in a good position uh, in the Blackhawks organization to to have a role in the NHL and uh, have a consistent role and, and be able to be looked at as one of the young up-and-coming players along with the guys like Bedard and Reichel uh, that are going to be playing this year. Like, Kurashev is still – he's not a prospect, but he's still in that, like, young developing forwards group – um, so I think, you know, it, it probably best fits him to be here in Chicago and, and, and grow with those, those players alongside him. Uh, and you know, Blackhawks seem to like him. There's no, no, there's no yeah. animosity. There, there's really doesn't seem to be any real, uh, concerns that this won't get done. Um, you always want to avoid the arbitration process if possible, because things can get sour, uh, in, in, in these talks. But again, I, I don't think... Uh, that's going to end up being the case. No, and that, again, the way that Davidson said it was, hey, you know, this is good business for him to do this. Like, it makes sense for him to do this. Maybe he gets a little more money. So, yeah, cool. Like, n- no one seems to be worried about it. There are some pre-arbitration settlements coming in right now from Elliot Friedman. Yeah, I saw a few. Gabe Velarde in Winnipeg, Brett Howden in Vegas. Uh, so maybe these are all getting processed now. So, like I said, we'll, we'll keep our eye on everything going. But can we uh, – you know, I'm, I've never worked in sales before, but if we've ever needed someone to sponsor anything, we need someone to sponsor us going to Slovakia for this Marion Hosa <laughs> goodbye game. Oh I'm sorry. God. I'm sorry. Like, yes. this is, I hope they find a way to televise this or stream it. It's... Like, can the Hawks put it on the Blackhawks YouTube page? This game 
And this is at last check. This is from uh, a tweet from a Mario underscore Tirabasi on Twitter. Never heard, heard of the guy, I've, but seems great. I've seen the profile before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's here's who signed up as of what three four days ago. Yes, there there, there, have, there there have been additions since I since I tweeted this out a couple days ago. Okay, so here's the initial list: Nick Lidstrom, Zdeno Chara, heard Dustin of, Bufflin. Heard of him? Nicholas Jalmerson. Pretty good. Martin Havlat. Heard of him. Patrick Sharp. Pretty handsome. Marion Gabrick. Heard of him. Thomas Kopetsky. Heard of him. Daniel Alfredson. He's pretty good. Michael Hanzus. Cup winner. Miroslav Shatan. Uh-oh. Satan to the kids. <laughs> uh, Michael Roosevelt and Jonathan Taves. Eyeballs emoji. Uh, look, you want to talk about... You, uh, is this the best uh, exhibition roster that's ever been put together? Like, exhibition game, like, basically glorified beer league game. Like, this has to be the best roster of players that have ever played. I can't imagine like anything. Better, like even this so, is like the Simpsons softball episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, even, even like, the, the, like, alumni games that they do for, like, the Winter Classic and stuff, this has to be better than that. Because some, some of those alumni games, you got, like, guys that were, like, cult heroes yeah, for like those Jim teams. Yeah, Jim Cummins is on the Blackhawks yeah, team right, or something. Right, right. Yeah. But this is, like, all of these guys have... One cups, Ben All Stars yeah. are in or are going to the Hall of Fame. Like, it's insane. Have that. I said trim those sideburns. Yeah. Uh, I, I since, just and I, and since that roster has come out. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, there have been a couple additions. Uh, Andre Sakara okay. is also playing. Um, there's a second one here. Uh, Lubomir Vishnovsky. Sure. And one Henrik Zetterberg. Jesus. Pretty good player. By the way, the and way Hosa's doing I should have, Steven, I'm sorry. I should have pointed this out to you earlier. The way Hosa's, like, revealing the players, too, on his Instagram, it's almost like an ultimate team. It where is, yeah. Like, an ice cube comes down and shatters and shows you the card it's of the player, player card, who's yeah. playing. It's on Marion Hosa's Instagram. It's so cool. And speaking of that Instagram, he he had, he ha- had past tense, had two teasers posted. One of them has been deleted, but the one that is still up uh, says, you know, the hint is a current Slovakian NHL goalie, which I think is Jaroslav Halak. I would make, imagine Would so. make the most sense. The one that was deleted was Canadian defenseman who I won three Stanley Cups with. Seabrook or Keith. Seabrook or Keith. Now, it's been deleted, so maybe, maybe there's some, you know, some commitment issues or whatever, uh, or maybe that was just posted too early, but... You add one of those two guys there, like, good golly, Miss Molly. Like, I don't know how difficult it would be to get to Trench in Slovakia. I, th- <laughs> I feel like it's planes, trains, and automobiles, but damn if there was ever a reason to try and get there. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, we got Host's Instagram pulled up. So, Steven, that top right one with Henrik Zetterberg, the Red Wing, if you click that. Click it and play it. It should just, like, open up. Oh, oh come no. on. Steven doesn't have Instagram. Ooh. Jeez. <laughs> That's weird. You have to log in to see it do it. That's yeah. weird. Anyway, you, most yeah, of you have you can, Instagram. You can you can see the uh, you can see the posts there. And um, why don't you just isolate on that middle yeah, one you right can, there? You can with the six pack. We have that picture in in the in the files still. Uh, if you want to blow that one, up I got later, in touch but. by the way with the because uh, the latest post is if, if you're interested in merch, email this account. Yes, I did try to go on the website and order one of the hats. Yes, um, but they don't ship to the U.S. So I sent an email seeing if they would ship to the U.S. Yeah, and then I. Uh, <laughs> went to Google Translate and plugged in my question and had it translated to Slovakian. So hopefully, Perfect. Uh, hopefully they got it. The hats are really cool. Uh, you can buy the jerseys uh, and 
but obviously only have them shipped to Slovakia or Czechia. Yeah. Well, but, when, when we get yeah, there, if they can, if, if they can figure out send into the States or something like that'd be amazing. Yeah. I'm, those I'm, jerseys are sick. I'm down for the hat. The pucks are cool. Yeah. I mean, now that we're close personal friends with Marion Hosa and him and I are colleagues at Triumph Books. Right. Yeah. I mean, work, you would work think your that, connections. Yeah. You would think that, uh, we'd be just automatically done, but yeah, that is, that is, uh, that's going to be quite the event. I, I, I don't know. I, it's, it, there's like three different streaming services that are broadcasting it locally in Slovakia and then like European streaming services, which if you want to roll the dice on your computer and try a European streaming service, you can do that. I, as far as I understand, nothing in North America uh, of substance is is going to be carrying it. Um, if, if I'm the Blackhawks, knowing the roster that's there and knowing it's Marion freaking Hosa, I would say, hey, can we simulcast this on our YouTube just, page? Yeah, it just, just makes a lot of sense to do that. Just take the feed and share it. Yeah. You, know, that way you people, might need a, a translator. I wouldn't even care. <laughs> just, just want to see it. Yeah, yeah. Just, just pull it up, right? Who cares? Yeah. It's, I, it's just it's such a cool thing. It's, and uh, It's a great call to action uh, on, our, on our screen there, Steven. Great work. Great work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's going to take a little bit Sponsor to get us the there. Sponsor the yeah. Blackhawks to Slovakia. Call exactly. now. Call now. By the way, smash that like button for us. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to mention that earlier in the show. We get to 5,000 sure. likes. We'll, we, that will pay for a train, uh, plane ticket. And uh, throw in like a $10,000 super chat. Yeah. And that should, that should help us out too. <laughs> uh, we'd appreciate that. Uh, also, podcast listeners, make sure you're following uh, and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The other little bit of news here, before we get to Ann Tokarski here in a few minutes, uh, Scott Wheeler, whose list we went over yesterday, uh, he had five Blackhawks skaters in the top 50 prospects. Uh, today, he released his rankings of the top 10 drafted NHL goalie prospects, and the Hawks have Drew Camesso yep. on that list, uh, coming in at number 10, number 10. as well as um, Adam Guyan, who gets on the honorable mention list. As uh, did Arvid Soderblom. Oh, Soderblom did too. Yep. Yes, he did. You're he, right. He's, he counted under the uh, under the rules of Scott Wheeler. Um, yeah, uh, Kamezo was on this list last year. Soderblom was an honorable mention last year. Uh, actually, he was, were they nine and ten? I'll have to go back and look, but I, I, I know they both were mentioned. Uh, Kamezo, I believe, was number nine. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we, we briefly touched on it in yesterday's show about, you know, I think the, the leftover question was who's, who's the starting goalie on the next cup contender, and um. I think we're 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 all still in the belief that Camezo is is probably sh- hopefully should be uh, should be that guy, and he's going to get his first taste of of pro hockey this year with the Ice Hogs, and and see where he goes from there. He's he had a very solid, uh, steady, mostly reliable college career. He was chosen by USA Hockey on a number of occasions to play in the World Juniors, to play in the uh, World Championships, to play on the Olympic team when uh, the NHL players pulled out. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, there, there's, there's a lot of belief in him in, you know, it, when he was in Boston with USA hockey. So I, I think there's a lot of belief in him in, in Chicago and we'll see, uh, we'll see what he, what he can do this year. AHL, uh, hockey will be a good test for him. Here's the uh, little blurb here from Scott Wheeler. Uh, he says, I see a mature makeup as a kid and goalie at six foot two. He's not big by today's standards for a goalie, but he blends a studious approach to the position 
with sharp angles, sound technique, and a calming, poised demeanor to keep shots in his chest, control rebounds, settle down plays, and hold firm to his edges. And while he's not a dynamic athlete, he can fall back on his athleticism when the play does break down. He's efficient in his movements, he's quick on his feet, and he doesn't put himself in any scrambles because of the way he reads the play. Camesso reliably makes the saves that he should and plays the same game to game. He doesn't steal a ton of starts, and I wouldn't say he's got any A-plus tools that really pop, but there's not a lot in his game that you can nitpick either. I'm not convinced he's going to be a starter at the next level, but I and the rest of the hockey world fully expect him to become an NHL goalie. So there you go. You know what he sounds like? Corey Crawford. Similar size. Yeah. Similar style. I'm not going to say he's going to be be Corey Crawford, but uh, a guy who's efficient in his movement, makes the saves that he's supposed to, um, can be uh, can fall back on his athleticism. But it's he's not a Jonathan Quick where he's just flipping and flopping and gymnastics all over the place to make saves. So look, like I, I think the, the 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 tools are there in the chest and just it, it's so annoying to me and this is not a scott wheeler specific thing this is a, a a hockey analyst specific thing it's so annoying to me how a six foot two goalie is undersized yeah it, like you how, know how tall's big, the net like you know how big six foot two is like that's that's big enough that's six foot one big enough six foot big enough not every goalie has to be six foot six six foot seven to be you know, effective. Like, yes, is it better to cover as much of the net as yeah, possible? It'd be great to be Patrick Waugh. Sure. Where you're this giant person that takes up 80% of the net just standing right. there. Not every goalie is going to be Andre Vasilevsky. Like, you're going to have guys who can make up for the one or two inches that they're giving up in size with their positioning, with their athleticism, with all these different things. So being six foot two and being like, oh, it's not ideal, it's like, Damn, man. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I think the size thing in general is is a bit overhyped. I mean, like Dominic Hoshik was six one, Eddie Belfour was five eleven. He did fine. Yeah. Eddie Belfour, pretty good. Last I checked. Right. Braden Holpe's not a big dude. He was a good goalie for a long time. UC Saros is like barely bigger than I am. It's, and it's he's just, pretty good. It's goalies and it's skaters too. Like, well, Connor Bedard, he's only five ten. Well, Crosby's five eleven. Right. You never hear anything about Crosby's size. People is that one inch going to be the difference between success and failure? People uh people do not believe Sidney Crosby is five eleven. There if you if you look for it, there are some some uh conspiracy, conspiracy theories that he is maybe five nine. Oh, smaller than five yeah. eleven. So okay. that would be interesting. If I ever get to stand next <laughs> to Sidney Crosby, uh, and he's not wearing skates. We'll see how big he is in real life because I am I'm five foot nine. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I just not to not to deviate, but I just that's just one thing. That I'm just like a six two goalie is, is sounds perfectly fine to me. That's that's not an issue. We'll but, give you the top ten here. Uh, Jesper Wallstead for the Wild is number one. Number two, Yaroslav Askarov from Nashville. Yep. Uh, Dustin Wolf of the Calgary Flames, another small guy. Uh, he's number three. <laughs> Two-time uh, AHL goalie of the year. Yeah, that worked out. <laughs> Devin Levi for Buffalo is four. Number five, Sebastian Kosa. Uh, number six, Lucas Dostal from Anaheim. Uh, number seven, Pyotr Kochekov from Carolina. Chicago Wolves goalie. Yep. Uh, eight, Akira Schmid. What a great name for the Devils. Oh, yeah, yeah. And number nine, Samuel Urson of the Flyers. So there you go. There's uh, there's your top nine with Drew Camesso coming in no, at number 10. No goalies drafted this year, right? No, none. No goalies drafted this year. 
No. Because the first one off the board was Guyon with the Blackhawks. And he was honorable mention. And Michael Hrabel was another guy. Uh, Carson uh, Bjarnason was another one uh, taken this year. But, yeah, all those, all those goalies uh, drafted in previous years. Yeah, interesting. I think goalies just take longer to develop. And on your on your Corey Crawford thing, too, like, at no point was he considered an elite goalie prospect. Not as a prospect. It was kind of, yeah, maybe NHL guy, maybe like a B-level starter. Spent, what, four or five years in Rockford? Yeah, it took a long time for him to come to the NHL full-time. Yeah. <clears throat> and part of that was the Hawks and Miami, and they had some other guys that were you know ready to go, Javi Buin, Um but then when he came up, he didn't go back down. And I, you know, I still think, and I think most people watching this podcast would agree, that Corey Crawford is criminally underrated. Yes. Um, yeah, Corey Crawford spent as much time in the minors as, uh, or enough time for him to play for both the Rockford Ice Hogs and the Norfolk Admirals. There you go. Who, There's a good throwback the, for your The Ice Hogs before the Ice Hogs. Yeah. There you go. I mean, that's, goalies are weird. They're hard to predict. They're hard to develop. Um, but so far, everything Camesso has done has been good and has been kind of on the trajectory expected. Or hasn't been mm-hmm. that moment for him where you're like, ugh, maybe yeah. he's not the guy. And even the times where he was kind of underperforming in college, it was, uh, and, and he talked about it at development camp, it, he, was, he was injured and he spent a portion of the season uh, dealing with mono, mono yeah. which made, made him lose, what was it, 15 pounds? Yeah, some said? crazy amount of weight. Like a crazy amount of weight that he dropped. So that completely takes you out of your out of your game physically, and especially as a goalie, like, you know, your movements and your weight and your energy level, that's all, that's all important. So, uh, yeah, so the struggles that he's had in college have basically only been tied to he's, he's not at 100%. So... I have no no qualms about him and and look to have three guys uh in in this group uh puts the Blackhawks in a good position with their with their goaltending position. They have Soderbloom, Camezo, Guyan, uh that are all in the mix. And I, I think out of out of one of those three, I think you're gonna get a, a quality NHL starter. Guyan's gonna be going to Michigan State, uh where he'll ha- he'll have a good opportunity to, to uh have a chance to be number one guy there. Um, Soderblom's going to get his, you know, likely as a full-time NHLer this year. And Camezzo, full-time AHLer, might get some a few NHL starts here or there, depending on, you know, uh, whether he earns opportunities or injuries that, that might come up. Um, so, yeah, I think they're in a good position uh, with their goaltenders. Corey says he completely forgot about the Norfolk Admirals. It seems like <laughs> forever ago it did. Yeah. He also asked earlier if there's a place to watch AHL games uh, at home, yes, AHL TV yep. is great. You just sign up uh, for the season, and you get every game every night. You could put on your, like, if you have a Roku or an Apple TV or whatever, they, it has its own individual app. Mm-hmm. You can pick the home or road feed. They're not always available for both because some games are just not broadcast, but you can find yeah. most games most nights on AHL TV. Yeah, and they have different um, different pa- different packages that you can get. You can get the whole experience where you get all the AHL games all the time. Uh, you can get team specific. So if mm-hmm. you just care about the Ice Hogs, you can just sign up and get all um, 76, 76 games of the Ice Hogs. Um, you can get all the home games. It's so it's it's definitely uh, worth it if you're if you're investing in watching the Ice Hogs. I've done it. It's great. Uh, it's 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 a solid service, and uh, yeah, it's it's good to have. And I know, and I know some broadcasts. Uh, like if you're, you know, for other teams and stuff, 
Um, some broadcasts are better than others. The Ice Hogs do a very good job uh, with their with their game broadcast. So it's uh, not only are you going to be able to at least see the action, you're going to get a quality broadcast too. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good thing to do. It's good good investment if you're going to watch uh, multiple Rockford Ice Hogs games. And why wouldn't you? Because there's a lot of guys to watch down there. But before we um, before we talk about pins and aces and the golf outing coming up, and before we get to Ann, uh, back to the Hosa thing. Yeah, if you had if you were doing a the Jay Zawoski charity hockey game and you could invite three former players, who would you invite? Three former Hawks? Just uh, whoever. Three former players, you extend the invitation, and they accept. Okay, first one is Jeremy Roenick. Okay. Who is my favorite player. The guy that made me fall in love with hockey. Yep. My favorite all-time non-Black Hawk is Pavel Bure. He would be invited for sure. Uh, I probably need a defenseman here, huh? Or a, or a <laughs> goalie. Yeah. I was always an irrational fan of Jocelyn Tebow. Yeah. So I would have him come and show up and be the goalie. Solid. Yeah. S- solid group. How about you? Uh, I would I would extend the invitation to uh, Marion Hosa. <laughs> uh, see if he would uh, reciprocate. Uh, maybe maybe he'll send me the invitation to to, to his game. Um. One of the guys that, that like Ronick for you, that really cemented me uh, getting into hockey, uh, and I, we don't hear a lot from uh, since his playing days have ended, uh, but I would reach out, I would extend an invitation to Paul Correa. He was, he was okay. one of those, when I first got into hockey, he was one of those guys that I, I latched on to as like, he's small, he's super good, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I want to see myself in him. Uh, obviously, it didn't pan out, but... It was still somebody that like got really got me into uh, into the sport for sure. Uh, and then the third one uh, I would reach out to would be uh, just for I think just the the entertainment value and and a guy that I think would have fun in that uh, environment is Ilya Brzgalov. Oh yeah, I think that would be yeah, a yeah. lot of fun. He's he seems like a fascinating <laughs> fascinating person, and you know just we'd uh, at the Mario Terabasi charity. Uh, hockey game, we would uh, put a put a mic on him and do some social content. With I think him. it's funny that you choose guys like Korea that you identify with as like this is a guy like me. Yeah. I have always been drawn to the players or whatever that are not like me at all. <laughs> yeah. Like if I was a hockey player, I would I would not be Pavel Bure. Right, right. Like he's small and he's fast and he's like and. From like growing up, my favorite wrestler was always Shawn Michaels. I am yeah. nothing like Shawn Michaels, nothing like him, right? Yeah. Like, but it's I I was always like, God, it's so cool. Like his level of confidence and his uh, comfort in his own skin. I always was sort of attracted to people I thought had what I don't. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that's I don't know. It's, it's interesting yeah. that that you would go that way. Cause, Matthew Kachuk now. Are you feeling? Who are the guys that I, that I identify with in the league? Uh, let's see, Dustin Bufflin, <laughs> Phil um, Who is the guy with all the pancakes? The Canuck. Well, I can't think of it. Kyle Wellwood. Kyle Wellwood. Was he the one that was always? Uh, I'm see, not Kyle sure. Kyle Wellwood. Did he have a a, a a pancake uh, restaurant or something? There was some. There was something Wellwood's about him pancakes. eating too many pancakes. <laughs> uh, oh, was d- wait, or was it Dustin Penner? I don't, whoever, I don't know. Dustin Penner had other, other whoever uh, was. Um, interests. Yeah. Uh, but, Phil Kessel. Ken yeah. Hitchcock. These are my guys. These are my people. Also, shout out Phil Kessel, National Hot Dog Day. Absolutely. Um, please 
Kyle, <laughs> make him a Blackhawk. That would, that would just make my day. Uh, last little bit of news we got to get to. It looks like the league is working towards getting the NHL players back into the Olympics. Yes. In time for 2026. Yep. Um, quote here from Marty Walsh, who is the NHLPA executive director. This is uh, via Greg Wyshynski and ESPN. Quote, my focus is to try and make that happen. I'm working with Gary Bettman collectively together with the IIHF, and hopefully we'll be able to come up with an agreement and move forward. A lot of players from around the globe want to play for their home country. They want that best-on-best tournament. They want to be part of it. And then Bill Daly told ESPN, we are still working to facilitate participation in the 2026 Milan Olympics. So it sounds like all sides are are trying to make it happen. Um, I know that with the games in Sochi and the games in China, there were some political things probably, and the time zone thing was a major factor then too. Uh, a little easier on all fronts in, in Milan. But I think if you're going to do it, you just have to do it. You can't just cherry pick year Yeah, year. if you're just going to if you're gonna do it, you have to commit to it. And, yeah, it's it's a damn shame that guys like uh, Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews haven't played in a best-on-best best situation for Team Canada or Team USA. Like, it's 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 a shame. And, and you know, I, 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 I would love for – you know, the, the NHL players to go back to the Olympics uh, and, and have that experience again for, for themselves, for the, for the Olympics, and for the, for, the, for the game itself to grow. Like, you, 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 to have that, those players on that stage is, is incredible. Um, but if it's not the Olympics, just do your own tournament. Do World, the World, Cup, Cup, World Cup of Hockey it was great. went over so well, yep. and it's been seven years, and they're just like, nope. Like, just... Why? Just do it. Just, you you control everything. Yeah. You can control the you control the, the the location. You control the advertising. You can control all the health waivers and crap like that. Like, mm-hmm. just control your own stuff. You get all the money. It just I don't know. It just makes sense to me that that, that should be for the NHL. That, that should be a a, a, <laughs> a staple um, for for the league and, and for for men's hockey. But hey, as far as best on best goes, we're gonna talk to Antikarski here in in a couple minutes. As far as best on best goes. Uh, for international hockey, USA and Canada and the women's game has not missed a beat, and it's gotten better yep. every year. Uh, so, hey, men's game, uh, you got to step your game up and get up to the level of the women. Uh, hey, st- speaking of stepping your game up, uh, you can step your game up on the golf course, uh, maybe not in your bag with the golf clubs, but at least in the clothes that you wear with gear from Pins and Aces, the official golf apparel partner of all city and of us here at CHGO. They have some of the best gear around. They are a family-owned and operated golf apparel business, which is great to see, making amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and, of course, the beer sleeve that can also be used as a beef sleeve, the product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep those drinks cold for the entire round. We tested it with beefs. It also works there. Hot dogs. Probably could do hot dogs as Mm -hmm. well. Not too dissimilar from a beef. Pizza puffs. Pizza puffs, maybe. That's been a topic of conversation <laughs> in the office today. I think I, st- I walked into a conversation I wasn't fully aware of. Uh, check out pinsandaces.com. Use the code CHGO. When you do that, you're going to get 15% off of your first order, and you're going to get free shipping on that order. Again, that's pinsandaces.com with the promo code CHGO. And do not forget, speaking of golf, pins and aces, and CHGO, we are all uh, collaborating together along with the Big Drive Energy Golf Podcast for the first ever CHGO kickoff classic happening Friday, August 25th at Cog Hill. 
course number two, the Ravines, I believe is what it's called. Uh, a tremendous course for a tremendous event. Uh, the golf, not as tremendous, but it'll be a, a good time. The vibes will be high. Uh, it'll be a, just a wonderful event. Hopefully some, some beautiful weather for the beautiful course. Uh, go to allchgo.com slash events. You can get all the event info there. You can sign up uh, to golf for yourself or a twosome or a foursome. The more the merrier. Uh, prizes for first place and last place. Gifts for everybody uh, who, uh, who shows up and plays some golf. You get access to the pins and aces slash CHGO crossover polo. Uh, which looks amazing. That's going to definitely, uh, when it gets in my possession, be in my uh, rotation of shirts, uh, not just on the golf course, but every, just everywhere. Just in general. Just in general. Yeah. I might even wear it to sleep. It's such a beautiful go. design. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, sign up. It's going to be a great time. Die hard, save 20%. The ravines. That sounds like there's a lot of water. And there, there is. I remember there's a hole that you have to shoot over water uphill. And I yeah. always over water up in uphill? the water. Yeah. I'm just going to take a ball yeah. and just throw it directly in the water. <laughs> And just donate it to the golf gods and just say, this is going to end up here anyway. Yeah. So here it is. And I'll just play around. I'll just oh. drop it on the other side. Over the re- ravine and up a hill. Was this golf course created by a 1940s grandfather? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just created uphill up both ways. ways. Yeah. yeah, and over the river. I was going to say, yeah. it's my favorite Led Zeppelin song. Uh, um, but yeah, it's going to be a great time. I'm really looking forward to it. I suck at golf. Um, but I am very looking, very much looking forward to getting out there and, and getting up and down the links. At it's going to be a good time. Yeah, absolutely. And look around our set. See all those cool bobbleheads and all the cool decor behind us. That is courtesy of our friends at FOCO. But it's not just bobbleheads at FOCO. You can get fitted out in the best sports gear around. Hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, banana hammocks, and everything in between. It's baseball season. I'm going to the Cubs game today. Nice. Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything you need for a game check it out foco.com or click the link in our description below and for all non-presale items use the promo code chgo for 10 percent off your order again that's foco.com f-o-c-o.com dot com yes and uh now as i mentioned before about the women's game uh we are joined by ann Tokarski. you can see uh some of her contributions to women's hockey uh, with the Ice Garden, Title IX Sports, uh, formerly of the Connecticut Whale, and working with the ECAC, the Eastern Collegiate Athletic Conference. She's going to get us caught up on all the happenings of the newly developed Professional Women's League. And thanks for your time. Thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing good. We're, we're sans hot dogs on National Hot Dog Day, which is a little disappointing. <laughs> right. but uh, The day is long. Yeah. Like I said, I'm going only to Ridley, so I'm sure I'll find a couple glizzies on my way. Yes. Um, all right. And this all sort of happened uh, like right during the draft. And we were very kind of, uh, obviously, in Chicago, distracted by things happening at the NHL draft this year. Um, I'm going to do my best to quickly summarize what happened. Back in June, the PHF, the uh, uh, Professional Hockey Federation Premier Hockey Federation. Premier Hockey Federation just all of a sudden was gone <laughs> and all of the players and uh, all of the staff were kind of given a three-hour warning that they were out of work what's happening now is there is a collective conglomeration coming together to have one unified women's hockey league to the outside observer that seems like a good thing right one league that the NHL can get behind and everybody plays for the same thing, better for broadcast and all that. But in the short term, Anne, what are some of the things that have been issues for the players and the and the staff involved? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest issues that we're kind of faced with right now is the fact that of all of the teams, um, I guess, start from the beginning, um, prior to the PWHPA announcing that, you know, their investors would be buying the PHF, it was the, the kind of assumption was that there'd be the seven teams in the PHF competing, um, and there would be four PWHPA teams competing in their brand new league. Um, which obviously put those two numbers together, that's 11 teams. And now with the investors um, backing the PWHPA, purchasing the PHF, they have kind of put out there that there are only going to be a maximum of six teams in this new iteration of this new league. Um, and I think when you you kind of go from, oh, like ages ago, there was this discussion about there is not enough women's hockey talent for two leagues. And I think you know, the past couple of years have really shown that that absolutely isn't the case. And now you're going from what could have been 11 teams down to six, six teams with 23 players. Um, not really that great at math, uh, especially not mental math, but even I know that that's, that's so many players who are going to be out of a spot competing, playing women's hockey. Um, there, there are so many collegiate players who were signed in the PHF who, you know, might not have a spot in this new league. Um, I think that's really just the biggest takeaway that I have, just knowing that, you know, there are only going to be six teams, um, you know, you're not going to be able to fit seven or 11 teams worth of front office staff on six teams. Um, you're not going to be able to fit that many players on six teams. It's, it's exciting news, definitely. But I also think there's, it's a little deeper than just surface level, I would say. Yeah, and just, you know, for those that are saying like, well, you know, it is what it is and the best players should play on the best teams, that's all well and good. But a lot of these players, you know, a month ago were buying homes close to their PHF teams thinking they were, I have a three-year contract, so I'm going to be here for three years, so I'm going to move to Montreal or I'm going to move to Boston or whatever, relocate, and then all of a sudden this is all yanked away from them. They're, they get one month severance, if I read correctly, um, which is – you know, pennies on a dollar compared to what it would be for an NHL player or another, you know, pro athlete in a more established league. Now you've got a significant portion of your professional players not knowing their future. Of course, the stars of the league know they're going to be fine, but an NHL fan would tell you the 10% of the league is stars. What happens to the other 90%? I think that's the, the big concern from the hockey world is what happens to these players that made the decision to be professional players that now may not have that option. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a really tough landscape just in general and to break into even before, you know, all this news happened, um, you know, because there, there are only seven teams. There were only seven teams in the PHF, which is that's 14 roster spots for goalies. Um, and I mean, I think just given the way the NCAA has been, the way the professional women's hockey scene has been, there's so, so much goalie talent. And now now you're down to less than 14 spots. You're down to 12 spots. And that's that's if, you know, every team wants to roster just two goalies. I mean, I guess there's there's always the opportunity for, you know, taxi squads and kind of reserve reserve squads that gives um that would give more players an opportunity. But right now there just there just aren't a ton of opportunities, I guess, to, you know, be competing regularly, which I think is what ever, we can agree that, you know, everyone wants. Everyone wants to play hockey. Um, there just isn't as much opportunity to do that as before. Now, when there was the split between the, the PHF, formerly the NWHL, and the PWHPA, 
what were the barriers between those two? I know it's probably a very complicated answer, but what were kind of the, the, the main barriers between those two leagues coming together collectively in, in the past before leading to now this, the, the PWHPA and the investors group, which uh, I believe is uh, Mike Walter and um, Billie Jean King are, are both part of it. What was the difference between them not forming there, whereas now the PWHPF and their investors are purchasing the, the PHF? Yeah, so I mean, I guess that I would say that kind of goes back to, you know, the reasons for the PWHPA forming in the first place. Um, it was definitely inspired, I guess I would say. I don't think that's anywhere near the correct term, but it was uh, kind of rushed along by the dissolution of the Canadian Women's Hockey League back in 2019. Um, and and there had been issues. I think everyone can admit there were issues with what was then the NWHL um, that definitely kind of gave players who were in the CWHL, CWHL who, you know, wanted to keep playing, but there were some issues, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't access to health insurance, there wasn't a formal union, you know, um, the NWHL PA, which what, what, what became the PHF PA, um, wasn't a formal union, there was no CBA, there really wasn't a lot of protection for the players. And, you know, that was just one of the sticking points that, you know, really deterred a lot of these players from making the jump from the CWHL to what was then the NWHL, which turned into the PHF. Um, and I, I don't think it's fair entirely to say that the PHF hasn't rectified so many of those issues that, you know, were originally presented to them as this, these are things, these are points of contention. And I think the PHF really did listen and addressed um, a good deal of those issues. But in the end, I think there was just it just wasn't really a, it really wasn't possible um, for, you know, these two, or at least the people with the money and the people with the power um, believed it wasn't possible for these two organizations to coexist, even, even though they've been doing it for, you know, the past three years, it just didn't seem like the best option anymore. And I guess that's where um, the people with the money and the people with the power came in and kind of decided, you know, we don't want to operate or launch a new league that is going to be in competition with an existing one. Um, and I guess that's kind of where, where the buyout all kind of started. So we know that Gary Bettman has been on record as saying that he's not going to offer any, maybe not that definitively, but they're not really interested in, in offering support unless there's one unified league. So if we, and it's, I don't want to be, you know, dismissive and just say, well, all those players without jobs aside, you know, but ultimately, once all these things are figured out, is this the best thing for the growth of the women's game to get NHL support behind it, to get potential NHL affiliated sponsors behind it? Is this ultimately the best path, in your opinion, for the development of the game? I think long term, this is, you know, a move that many people saw coming. Um, I mean, there was there were questions about the structure of, you know, was a merger going to be the best option? I think we can all agree that one league for all professional women's hockey players right now would would be exciting. It would be great for sponsors, for broadcast deals, um, you know, from for support from fans, you know, not having to choose between do I want to support this team in Boston or this team in Boston? You know, it kind of helps shape um, geographic loyalties and that kind of thing. But I think, you know, just given the trajectory before this buyout happened, 
I think you could have made the argument that, you know, we were in a great spot. Um, the PHF had just increased their salary cap. Players who were signed to two-year deals were given the opportunity to renegotiate those deals and, you know, get more money. They were, they were able to make a living wage. Um, and I think, obviously, long-term, one league is, you know, what's best for women's hockey. But I think there definitely perhaps could have been a better way to go about doing the entire process that, you know, didn't hurt quite so many people and leave quite so many people in the dust. Um, I think that's kind of a sticking point for me. I had a really great conversation with some of my former colleagues at the Ice Garden um, a week or so back where, you know, we kind of just talked about there's like, you know, we've seen this before. We've seen this, we've seen the dissolution of a league before when it happened to the Canadian Women's Hockey League back in 2019. And we lost so many stats, so much history, so many records. Um, and, you know, you just, you really don't want to see that again. You know, there's, there's been a lot of news that this new entity isn't going to, you know, take any of the branding from the PHF that already existed. Um, and, you know, when you talk about that, you're talking about the Minnesota Whitecaps who have existed for almost 20 years and they're just kind of gone. You know, they, they existed before the PHF and then they were brought into the PHF and now it's like, well, no more Minnesota Whitecaps, which is is honestly kind of scary and really sad. Um, I think in the long run, this is going to be a good thing. But in the interim, you know, it's important to take the time to, you know, mourn and grieve um, all of the, you know, the memories, everything that's really sad. Um, yeah, I guess that's those are my thoughts on on that. So moving forward, then, you know, this the this new league is. Uh, yet to be named, and is supposed to launch uh, this upcoming January of 2024. I guess what would be the the expectations for the new the new league as far as you know locations, teams, um, some of the players that that you know that you know will, will be highlighted in the league, um, and then I guess what would kind of be the, the the structure of the league from your understanding? Because like you mentioned, the, the PHF had just raised their salary caps and and. Uh, some players who in, 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 in women's hockey, they couldn't just play hockey. Like they have to also have other sources of income. Um, what's that structure going to be like uh, for, for this new league coming up? Yeah, absolutely. So there are a bunch of people who are much more educated than I on this subject who have, you know, received copies of the collective bargaining agreement that was um, rumored, but heavily rumored to have been ratified. Um, it's not formally announced by any entity, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where you you know it happened. Um, but the the general consensus is three teams in Canada, three teams in the United States um, to kind of, you know, give equal opportunity and equal footing to, you know, the multitudes of players that are coming out of Canada, whether they're in the NCAA, on the national team, um, in the junior hockey prep school equivalent in Canada, um, and then, you know, have those same opportunities for the their American counterparts. Um, cities are still to be determined. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussion that, oh, maybe Chicago is one of them. But, you know, personally, I, you know, as much as I would love that, as much as I think anyone who knows me knows that would be like my dream come true. Um, I think they're also going to prioritize a lot about um, travel just in the early times. You know, it's, it's hard to force a group of 23 athletes to fly commercial from Chicago to, you know, Boston. 
it's it's not the same as um, you know busing and busing however many hours that might be is really not you know it's not professional it's not what you want for a professional women's hockey team or even a professional men's hockey team any sort of you know professional sports team it's it's not really fair it's not really professional so I think there has to be a lot of thought into the geographic distribution of these teams um, some locations that have been rumored Toronto obviously I mean you look at the number, the sheer number of women's hockey players on the Canadian national team and just um, in the NCAA and U sports who are Toronto or Ontario natives. And that seems like pretty much a shoe in. Then you look at Montreal, you know, they have, they have Captain Canada, they have Marie-Philippe Poulin. There's really, there's really no universe, I think, in which, you know, Toronto and Montreal don't have some of the strongest Canadian footholds in women's hockey. Um, one, the, uh, the third Canadian location that's been, you know, heavily rumored is London, Ontario, um, already have the Ontario Hockey League's London Knights. Um, you know, they've partnered with them before, uh, the, from the PWHPA side. And there's just a lot of opportunities. It's close enough to Toronto that it would be, you know, a bus ride. Um, but in terms of the United States cities, there's really, you know, pretty much every city in the Midwest and East Coast has been thrown out there. Um, there, there have been a lot of discussions. There's been a lot of, you know, fan, um, act, activism. I don't know if that's the right word, but, um, advocacy for certain cities. You know, I've seen, um, pride diehards and the Boston Bruins diehards that, uh, media organization has really been campaigning to get Boston on the list of potential cities. Um, I mean, it's hard to imagine the city of Boston without professional women's hockey at this point. Um, you know, just since the CWHL era, the NWHL era, um, you know, I mean, Boston has a huge college hockey footprint, but that's not quite the same when you're talking about professional women's hockey. So um, I wish I knew more about cities. Um, obviously, you know, I'm always pulling for Chicago. Um, but then again, when you think about how realistic it is, you know, it's not even it's not even super realistic to get from Chicago to Pittsburgh on a bus bus ride. Um, so it's just one of those things you have to think about. And you know, trust that maybe they'll make the right decision um, and hope that they make the right decision. Very uh, original six nineteen twenty six hockey vibes of taking buses and trains and, yeah. and all that <laughs> and all the cities along the... <laughs> you mean 100 years ago? Yeah, yeah along the St. Lawrence Seaway yeah. or whatever. But um, And uh, Zach says in our chat, it's ridiculous. It's 2023, not 1923. They're pro athletes and shouldn't be working side jobs to afford being able to play. That's it, and hopefully, you know, when when all of this gets worked out, that the salaries will be fair, and these professionals can be actual professionals and say, "What do you do for a living? I am a hockey player, mm. and that's what I do. I train all year round to maintain that job, and I don't have to go find a side hustle to have my career." That that's the hope, um, and I, you know, you mentioned how the Whitecaps were around forever before joining the PHF and NWHL. Uh, I got friends with the Chicago North Stars uh, hockey team here in Chicago, and I know they've sort of like whispered about, like, yeah, maybe someday that could happen. They're here. They're established. I would love to see the North Stars uh, jump in to one of these leagues, and I really think Chicago would support a women's team. I really do. Yeah. And you've got, you know, Fifth Third Arena, which is expanding. Uh, is expanding. And by the way, we talked to Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner at the draft, and they're like, yeah, you know, nothing's been announced yet. There's, construction's happening now. I drove by Fifth Third yesterday. There's bulldozers out. There's sewage being put yeah. in. The building has begun at Fifth Third Arena. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be right there in a couple of years. I really hope that Chicago gets a team because I do think 
and you mentioned travel. It is very centrally located to airports. Mm-hmm. It's just, it makes all the sense in the world, and I really think this would be a good way for the Blackhawks to prove. They they say it a lot, but wh- when you talk about inclusion, you talk about growing the game, you talk about all these things, this is a great opportunity to jump in and help make this happen in Chicago. And you have a ton of uh, star women's players that have come out of Illinois and, and the Chicagoland area, and uh, – probably none bigger than Kendall Coyne Schofield, yeah. who is part of the Blackhawks development staff. Like it just, it just seems like uh, that location would be perfect for, for this upcoming league. Kemi Granado is a uh, local as well. Yes. So, and, and there's good. discussions about Hillary Knight <laughs> as well, where, where, where she claims to be a hometown as well, as far as I understand. But, <laughs> and yeah. thank you so much for the update. We appreciate it. Uh, I'm sure we'll be checking in several more times as news develops. But uh, follow Ann on Twitter at Ann Tokarski. We appreciate your time. We'll talk to you next yeah, time, Yeah, absolutely. Ann. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks, Ann. Thanks so much. Give her a follow, Ann Tokarski on Twitter. We got a little bit of an update before we sign off. Uh, this from Scott Powers. The Blackhawks and Philip Kurashev have yet to reach an agreement heading into their arbitration hearing scheduled for Thursday. It's become likely the case will be heard, according to a league source. Kurashev has filed a request seeking a one-year contract with a $2.65 million cap hit, and the Blackhawks are seeking a two-year deal with a $1.4 million cap hit. The arbitration could end up in either direction, but will likely meet somewhere in the middle, probably two years with a $2 million cap hit. That sounds about right to me. Sounds fair. Sounds great. So uh, it looks like that's going to head to a negotiation, but look, the sides aren't far apart. Kurashev wants a one-year deal, wants to bet on himself. The Hawks would like a little more security. So maybe they meet in the middle. Yeah. And that's the, I think that's the best of both worlds. Yeah. I, I, I feel like two years, two million, that is enough time and a fair, fair price for what he's done and what they, you know, the opportunity he can get to, to prove that he's worth more down the road. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's fair. We've seen the, we've seen the progression that he's made in the last two years that he's played. Let's see some more over the next two. I, th- I think that's completely fair. Agree with that. All right. Before we wrap up, that, that is why I would be a great arbitrator. <laughs> you should be. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we told you about the golf outing. Now we've got to tell you about our crosstown series takeovers coming up very soon. Next week is the first one. Cubs at white Sox, a guaranteed mm-hmm. rate field. We're going to be in section two fifty nine. 710 first pitch. The pregame meetups at 4 p.m. at the Carrig Pub in Oak Forest. You'll be shuttled to and from Guaranteed Rate Field. All chgo.com slash events to buy your tickets for the Cubs Wrigley version. That is August 16th. Sox at Cubs, Wrigley Field, Section 425R. Pregame meetup at 530 at a bar to be announced. Each ticket purchase comes with the new CHGO baseball shirt, Southside or Northside, based on your preference. Shirt and size will be chosen at checkout and order confirmation. Let's see which fan base is more diehard and sells out the takeover first. Jump on, get those tickets, allchgo.com. Again, that is July 26th at Guaranteed Rate Field or August 16th at Wrigley Field, Cubs versus White Sox. Always a good time. I personally have sworn off the Crosstown Classic because <laughs> I've seen over it. too much nonsense from people. I saw... Uh, a man and a woman getting a punching match. I've uh, yeah. <laughs> seen shirts torn off. That, that, that it's, tracks for a, it's a, a summer baseball game in which neither of you are involved in. And I just would like to, I, I always, <laughs> whenever I'm at these games and I see people fighting, I just say, listen, 
we're all Bears fans. We're all Hawks fans. Sure, yeah. We're all Bulls fans. Let's just chill. It's okay. <laughs> it's just sports, but it's going to be a good time. It seems like it's calmed down since the Cubs won the World Series. Yeah. It feels like the tension's not quite as intense as it was. Yeah, Cubs fans have probably relaxed a little bit, and for the fact that neither team is really contending for much right no, now. That never stopped them in the past. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> uh, fi- yeah. yeah fighting uh, at, at games... Um, it's just one of the dumbest things. Like, what are you fighting about? Fighting about a, a, a game? The two teams that you have you have no connection to other than saying, I like your colors of your shirt, yeah. and I don't like the colors of your shirt. Uh, like, just it's just, fighting over sports in general is stupid. Yeah, usually... Just usually, fighting in general is stupid. Usually, uh, well, yeah, it's it's just dumb. Yeah. Just dumb. Just, just take a breath, uh, enjoy the game, and, you know, maybe buy the person that you're punching in the face... A Goose Island beer, and they'll do the same for you. You Beautiful. can all put it behind you. There you go. Uh, Goose Island making fighting in in sports <laughs> in the stands um, maybe happen, but also maybe not happen. Who knows? Hey, CHGO is probably sponsored by Goose Island Beer Company. They have been Chicago's beer since 1988, and they have some of the best beers around. You got the Goose IPA, the six-time medal winner at the Great American Beer Fest. Always in style with its citrus aroma and bold hop finish. You have the Tropical Beer Hug, the Dry Hops Imperial IPA, which is a 9.9 ABV, dangerously easy to drink. The Full Pocket Pills, the Everyday Beer, it's what the Goose Island beer brewers are drinking. And of course, you have the 312, the Golden Cans, the Golden Staple of the Goose Island beer roster. You can get all of these and more ultra fresh brewery exclusive beers at the Goose Island Original Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park. Or you can go to their tap room on Fulton Street in West Town. Again, that is the Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. It is Chicago's Beer. Ah, Thank you. I always talk over the damn goose. There are the horns. They're just always flying overhead, and I'm not paying attention. All right, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks for being with us today. We want to thank Anto Karski for visiting the show. Um, Got some more, uh, a little bit more predicting done today that we're going to get to tomorrow. Predicting. Uh, as to uh, who improved the most in hockey and who did not. Ah, uh, yes. Um, but a very interesting side note on that article, and you never know what's going to happen between now and then. Hopefully we'll have some news on Philip Kurashev tomorrow to go over. Yeah, I... Probably uh, not until the later afternoon. Is there I a imagine. time? I don't think we'll don't know. know a time. But, yeah, yeah, I would say right around our showtime is probably when they're having their meetings. And I would think so. Hopefully it gets done fairly fast. Yeah. I would imagine so. So uh, be with us tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Hopefully Greg is back and feeling better. Uh, But until then, smash that like button on your way out. Make sure you're subscribed, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on the CHGO Blackhawks podcast.